listening to Ship History Radio from the Steamship Historical Society of America. Through recording, preserving, and educating, our mission is to share the impact of engine-powered vessels, their crews, and their passengers with future generations. My name is Amy Bachari, and I'm the Education Director. On this episode, we will be speaking with Jane Lyons about leisure activities at sea. This interview was conducted for the program SHIPS, which stands for SHIPS, History, Influence, and Power Series, thanks to a generous contribution from Ted Skull. You can learn more about the SHIPS program, watch films, and see primary sources at shiphistory.org slash SHIPS. To learn more about our organization, visit sshsa.org. Hi, Jane. Thank you for joining us today. Can you tell us where and when you were born? I was born December 15, 1939, in Beijing, actually. And at the time, my father was stationed in Mukden, Manchuria, which was under Japanese domination. Anyway, but I was born in Beijing because there was, you know, a good Western-style hospital there. Lived there for, I think, 10 months or 11 months. And, of course, I don't remember anything about that nor do I remember crossing the Pacific back to Canada. My mother was Canadian. I think it was the Empress of Japan. I'm told that crossing the Sea of Japan, which you had to do to get from China to Japan to get on the ship that was going to take you across the Pacific, that it was a very small ship, probably really a boat, and there was a typhoon and Everybody was miserable except baby me, who thought the rocking and rolling was just terrific fun. (laughs) Of course, I don't remember that either, but I never have been seasick, and and maybe it's because of, of that. Can you talk about the first shipboard experience that you do remember? I think it was 1947. We took the Saturnia Italian line from New York to Naples. My father was about to be stationed at the Vatican. I remember large parts of that very well, mostly a wonderful room steward who pretty much by the time we got to Naples had taught me how to speak Italian. And I remember various aspects of the ship. I remember arriving think first in Genoa, and the results of the war were still very apparent in in the harbor, you know, half-sunk ships and lots of destruction, and the same in Naples. But I don't remember playing any games on the ship. Perhaps we did. I have a sister who's two years older, but I'm sure there must have been other children, so we probably just, you know, ran around and Just being a kid and running around the ship, too, is a form of leisure, right? Yeah. In fact, one of my favorite shipboard leisure memories was on, it was either the President Cleveland or the President Wilson, American President Lines, both of which we took in later years when my father was in Japan. (laughs) Again, I mean, I think I must have been 12 or 13, and there was another typhoon, of course, and you could run from across the ship from one side to the other through these great swinging glass doors on both sides. So they would swing open when you rolled and then they would roll the other way. They would. So it was a great game to see if you could make it across and back before being smashed by the doors. <laughs> 
probably my favorite leisure memory on a ship. But yeah, played a lot of ping pong on um, on those particular ships, particularly because there were so many Japanese and other Asians who, of course, were terrific ping pong players and very enthusiastic. Yeah, it was kind of hard sometimes. It definitely added an element of difficulty when the ship would, if your ball was here and then you went to hit it and all of a sudden the ball had, and the table had changed perspectives. I was good. I won a couple of girls' trophies and my father and I won a mixed doubles and spent a lot of time playing ping pong. Also deck quiets like a you know rubber ring over a net um we did a lot of that out in the deck that was great shuffleboard which i never particularly liked but lots of people played a lot of shuffleboard and i think the yeah there was a swimming pool but it was a small one not particularly patronized and in the evening for entertainment, there there was the kind of horse racing, you know, where you roll the dice and the symbolic horses get moved around, which could actually be quite exciting at times. But before that, before the American president lines, there were other ships. There was the Strath Eden that went from Southampton to, we, we were going to um, Mumbai, then Bombay, through the Suez Canal and I remember that all as being so hot that nobody did much of of anything. I don't think it was air conditioned. And my most indelible memory from that trip is that I had been wearing a sort of retainer brace thing, and it came out on deck. And one night in the ship's dining room, the captain held up my retainer and said, somebody lost this on the boat deck, and I had to go up and claim it. I remember that quite well. Although I was certainly old enough to play ping pong by then or anything else, I really don't remember doing that. We did a lot of reading. For diplomatic families, these crossings, these trips from one, generally one post to another or from home to a post or a post back for home leave were really sort of crucial times because For once, the family could actually be sort of together in a relaxed kind of media. Both my parents were extremely busy, as my mother, as a diplomat's wife, was amazingly busy. You'd think they would do nothing, but that was far from the case. And my father, of course, was very busy. So the time together as a family without any staff around or just being able to really eat together every meal, sit on deck and read together, play ping pong together, whatever. And for the grown-ups, particularly to relax and have some some downtime, get over the stresses of the last post and the leave takings. And, and we would always read up on the next post where we were going. My parents always picked out books that you know, would have been suitable for my sister and me while they read far more nuanced, historical, cultural kind of books. But it's really hard to emphasize just how important that interval was. And even after jet planes came in, and I think the government stopped paying for foreign service people to go by ship. My father, I don't know whether he paid for it himself or or what he did, but 
although there was some airplane travel, it still was mostly by ship. It must have been so stressful for your parents, too, just the moving around and with children. And so I could see how that time on the ship would be so valuable to you. That's really interesting. So the books you were reading, now, did you bring them on board or was that something that your parents found in the library on the ship? Oh, no, they would bring them um, on board. I remember going going to Japan. One of the books was Elizabeth Gray Vining, who was the tutor for Crown Prince Akihito, who's just resigned as emperor and old man. No, no, they, they would have a carefully selected roster of books. And we were definitely expected to read and have some knowledge of where it was we were about to, to be living. And also, I, I remember we had language lessons on board. They always found somebody who could give us some kind of language lesson. So when you arrived, you were not completely unable to communicate. I mean, in the case of Japan, it was not really very fulsome communication, but it was something. I wonder if you could just talk about how long you were at sea, just to sort of give people the perspective of how much time you had with your family and you know, what you would do on board to sort of stay occupied during that time? Yeah, uh, well, of course, transatlantic was really a week, five days to to a week, going from, as I mentioned, Southampton to Mumbai. I don't remember how long it was, but it was a long time, like three weeks to a month. The west coast of the U.S. to Japan was two weeks or obviously the same in the other direction. So it would be about five or six days to get to Honolulu, and then you'd have a lovely day in Honolulu. And then the ship would take off for another week from Honolulu to Yokohama. Um, It never seemed long enough. And I never remember ever feeling bored. There were always other children, other people your age. You essentially had freedom that you didn't have anywhere else. I mean, where could you go on a ship? Maybe you could fall overboard, but except for that, you were complete. They, your parents knew you couldn't be very far away. You couldn't be in too much trouble. So it was sort of a feeling of freedom that I, I do remember as being different from everyday everyday life and just totally uh, enjoyable and and. My father, who had done a lot of traveling even before this, during the 1920s, when he was a young man, a young boy, and most of his traveling then was to Europe, he was already sort of a steamship liner buff, very fond of ships and knew a fair amount about them. And then it happened that his first job overseas, which was in Japan as Ambassador Gru's private secretary. This is before he was married or 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 he had children. But Gru was also a, a great who had been ambassador to Turkey and before he was ambassador to Japan. So um, lots of ships visit the Bosporus and and Istanbul, and he he was hooked. He was hooked on ships. There was kind of that heavy influence, and my mother was perfectly happy to. Uh, go along with this. And she had had an unusual experience um, on her first shipboard 
experience when she was 18. She was Canadian, and her uncle was the Canadian minister to Japan, and he invited her to come and spend some time in Tokyo. And she took, I think it was the Empress of Japan again. I'm not sure which Empress it was. So she was on that ship along with, I guess it was 1930, 34, 35. And the American all-star baseball team was also traveling to Japan to do exhibitions. And, you know, the Japanese are baseball crazy. And, I mean, there were players like Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig and, you know, all the, all the big names. And my mother, who was a very pretty 18-year-old blonde, the baseball players thought she was great. And um, Babe Ruth would throw a silver dollar into the ship's swimming pool so she could dive for it. And they would all cheer and clap. And by the time they finally got off in in Yokohama, my mother had quite a collection of money. And then the when the baseball started, which was a huge event in Tokyo, Japanese were so excited about Babe Ruth and so on. And my mother was brought into the dugout and that was her first ship experience and we went to Sweden on the Grips home in 1961 by that time I had a 2-year-old child and I was going to the child and I were going to live with my parents in Stockholm for a while so we were all on the on the ship my son Stuart was as I say 2 and he never understood that he was actually on a ship. He, he'd been told about, we're going to go on a ship. It's going to be so exciting. You're going to be in the middle of the ocean on a ship. But the ship, of course, was tied up to the dock in New York. So it was just like another building, I guess, to him. So <laughs> the whole way across, he, where the ship? Where the ship? I never did really understand. And I had to be very careful because I worried a lot that he was going to fall overboard. I had a harness on him and all, all sorts of things. I didn't enjoy that trip quite as much as, as most. Um, and I don't remember playing anything. I probably never had any time to play anything. But it was, for me, quite a difference from having traveled as the child or, you know, a child and then traveling with a child of my own. And being responsible, it was it was very different. Yeah, I'm sure you got an appreciation, I guess, for what your parents went through when you were an infant going through a typhoon. Times were different. They always had a nursemaid or a nanny or yeah. a governess. So um, <laughs> I don't think they had as hard a time as I did. But But yeah, some similarities there for sure. My father took me on a trip on the Stella Solaris, I think it was 1990, maybe 1991. Um, and that was, the first, I hadn't been on a ship for more than 20 years. I hadn't been anywhere. I'd been home raising children and really missed traveling and really missed, missed ships. So anyway, he took me on this trip down the Amazon through various Caribbean islands and, uh, it was so nice to be back on a ship, and it really seemed like revisiting old times or something. After that, all my shipboard trips, by that time, I, my son's Ben, my youngest son, was, for some reason, I guess I had some influence on him, my tales and pictures and so forth, I suppose, but he was ship crazy, 
and specifically QE2 crazy. We used to go all over sort of (laughs) tracking the QE2 in different places. So when he was 12, we went to England and toured around England and then came back on the QE2, which was the most exciting thing for him possible. Even climbed inside the funnel. But that trip was a lot of fun. And then I've been on lots, you know, since then with others of the steamship group in in New York and and with Ben and other friends and still play ping pong. I think I'm not not winning anymore, though, which is annoying, but, but still like to just read and sit and not so much. I mean, I know, for instance, some other friends like to be on ships and meet people and talk to them. And that's a large part of it for them. But it's really not for me. I, I just prefer to it's sort of best period between people in a way, except for the people that I'm with. Well, that was going to be my next question, actually, was when you're playing sort of ping pong and things like that. I guess as a maybe as a younger person. Did you meet any friends on board and did you meet up and play with the same people? Yes. On, on the um, Japan voyages, I met, I met friends whom I later saw in Tokyo. Um, one was a boy who um, turned up going to the same school I did there. Um, the other girl was somebody that, yeah, I saw off and on for a while. So, so Yes. And I think there were other sort of embassy people on the ship that became closer friends because of it. But it was not so much a social experience, I don't think. I mean, you know, the Foreign Service life is so full of social experience and cocktail parties and dinner parties and meeting people and struggling to talk to people whose language you didn't speak and they didn't speak yours. And at least for me, it it was kind of a a relief. Not sure everybody would have reacted that way. But it makes sense though. I mean, when you talk about sort of the busy and active social life you had to have and, and the stresses in terms of basic communication and things like that, I could see how that would just be a time to just almost like come back to yourself and just have a moment of peace. Of course, I never thought of it that way. I mean, as as a child or a young person, I never really thought in those terms. But looking back on it now, I I see see how it was and what it meant more viscerally. It's definitely was a part of my life that was really important and influential, and among the the most enjoyable times of my entire life have been on ships. I just wish there were more ships going point to point and fewer planes going point to point. And, and of course, my, my son being as who, who's very involved in, in um, ships, he was a DAC officer on Queen Mary for a while, which was a, a really fun experience, you can imagine, for me to go on the ship that he was an officer on. I really liked that. That was all the fun I needed and got to sit at the captain's table with him sometimes. And that was a different experience. And it's a bond with him, really, that uh, I never thought consciously this is going to be a way to stay in touch with this son. But it has been. So that's all to the good. I think he'd agree. Thanks. 
Thanks for tuning in to Ship History Radio. We hope you enjoyed hearing about Jane Lyon's experience at sea and how she and her family kept busy on long voyages. Visit shiphistory.org ships to view more oral histories on this topic. This episode was produced by the Steamship Historical Society of America. Learn more about our organization at sshsa.org.